0: Welcome to Tomorrow's World, where today I'm addressing the attack on patriarchy, otherwise known as an attack on male leadership in the family and society in general. This is an attack on the centuries-old order within society. This war on patriarchy is real and it's having a negative effect on families. Early television portrayed husbands and fathers in a positive light. Consider Ozzie and Harriet and Father Knows Best for those who are old enough to remember. Both men and women were shown positively, but it wasn't long before sitcoms portrayed men as incompetent, bumbling oafs who needed their wives to save them from themselves. Men became the butt of all jokes. The Honeymooners with Jackie Gleason was a good example. He was no intellectual or emotional match for his wife Alice, who was witty competent, and smarter. It wasn't long before virtually every sitcom adopted this approach known as the jackass formula, and that portrayal of men continues down to this day. We see it not only in sitcoms, but also in advertisements, where it is the woman with all the answers. She solves any office difficulty. She fixes the flat tire while the man stands helplessly by. She is physically stronger, a martial arts expert who takes on multiple men at the same time. We see the attack on male culture and academia, and on the media in general. Where is all this leading? I'll be right back with the facts, and I'll also be offering a valuable resource, a Tomorrow's World special report titled, The Future of the Family. It's free of charge, so stay tuned. On today's Tomorrow's World program, I'm discussing the war on patriarchy, showing that this attack against male leadership is real, showing the consequences for our world today, and showing what's really behind it. By all accounts, men are falling behind women in education, and this problem has been in the works for some time. Notice this CBS News assessment from as far back as 2002. School districts from Massachusetts to Minnesota to California report that boys are withdrawing from the life of schools, and girls are taking over. Girls outperform boys in elementary school, middle school, high school, and college, and graduate school, says Dr. Michael Thompson, a school psychologist who writes about the academic problems of boys in his book, Raising Cain. He says that after decades of special attention, Girls are soaring while boys are stagnating. Girls are being told, Go for it! You can do it! Go for it! You can do it! They are getting an immense amount of support, he says. Boys hear that the way to shine is athletically, and boys get a lot of mixed messages about what it means to be masculine and what it means to be a student. Does being a good student make you a real man? I don't think so. It is not cool. A report from Stats Canada shows how the makeup of Canadian university campuses has changed over the last several decades. Over the last 30 years or so, a dramatic reversal has taken place on Canadian university campuses. According to the 1971 census, 68% of 25 to 29 year old university graduates were male. Ten years later, women had more or less caught up to men as only 54% of graduates were male. By 1991, women had become the slight majority, comprising 51% of graduates. In the 2001 census, universities had clearly become the domain of women as they made up 58% of all graduates. According to the 2006 census, Women accounted for 60% of university graduates between the ages of 25 and 29. That last statistic is already 12 years old. One could only imagine what the numbers are today. In the CBS News interview, Dr. Michael Thompson reported Girls are so outperforming boys in school right now, one statistician said he took it out to its absurd endpoint and set at the present trend, the last man to get his bachelor's degree will do so in 2068. Of course, we all know that will not happen, but the trend is troubling. There are many speculations as to why this dramatic shift occurred over such a short period of time. There are no doubt multiple causes, but let's explore one of them. According to Richard Whitmire, in an Education Next interview, for the most part, this is happening because K-12 through schools are short-changing boys. Far too many boys drop out before earning a high school diploma. Worse, too many boys who do make it through high school are either unprepared for or unmotivated to do college-level work. But wait a minute. I thought it was girls who were neglected. Some of you may remember the 1992 report titled, How Schools Shortchange Girls. It was sensational at the time, and there was an immediate push to solve what was seen as a serious problem. But how many looked at the report carefully, beginning with the authors of the study, the left leaning American Association of University Women, the AAUW for short? Dr. James Dobson gives background for this report in his book Bringing Up Boys. It asserted that female students are invisible, ignored, disrespected, and denied their share of educational resources. The most widely disseminated finding was that teachers permit boys to speak or participate eight times more often than they do girls, but as with the rest of the conclusions, this turned out to be pure nonsense. Perhaps you remember hearing this. I did. But was the report accurate? While the accusation that girls were shortchanged was widely disseminated, the actual details were not, and this should not surprise those who recognize the leftist bias that has existed in the Western media for more than half a century. According to Dobson, their data was based on an old 1981 study that actually said that boys are reprimanded eight times more often than girls. So while boys were called out eight times more than girls for misbehaving, this was not the way it was reported. Instead, the AAUW report disingenuously made it out to mean that boys had an unfair advantage over girls. What were the results of this widely publicized, biased, and dishonest report? They weren't benign. Most studies have little impact on our lives, but this one did. It changed the way America's children are educated. And to this day, it affects America's culture and much of Western culture, including Canadian. It brought about an immediate push to change schools. As Dobson writes, although the report has been widely discredited now in the professional community for what it was, a blatant attempt to skew educational resources away from boys and to characterize girls as victims the damage had been done. It resulted in an unfair distribution of available resources that continues to this day. Under heavy lobbying from the likes of the New York Times, Oprah Winfrey, the media in general, and others, the United States Congress passed the Gender Equity in Education Act. What this did was allocate hundreds of millions of dollars each year toward redressing the myth of bias against girls in school. It provided money, as Dobson writes, to reprogram teachers who were unconsciously sexist. What happens when boys grow up confused about what their role is in the world? What happens to a society when the education of men is diminished? Sadly, the result is that it is not good for families, and what is not good for families is not good for nations. The attack on patriarchy is part of a larger picture. The Destruction of the Family. Tomorrow's World publishes a special report on the future of the family. This compilation of articles includes Don't Underestimate the Value of Family. This war against patriarchy is not only bad for boys and men, but also for women. Another article asks, Is Motherhood in Crisis? This special report, the future of the family can be yours free of charge. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask for today's offer. It's that simple. And I'll be right back to show you what is behind this attack on patriarchy.
1: To request your free copy of The Future of the Family, call the number on your screen, or you can order online at TWCanada.org. This special report reveals current, troubling trends concerning family life in the Western world. Too many underestimate the value of the family. As a result, society is paying a steep price. You need to know the keys to rebuilding happy families. Don't wait. Call now or visit us online to get your free copy. As we've
0: seen, there is a growing gap between boys and girls and men and women regarding education. That gap grew dramatically between 1991 and 2006, and that gap was a direct result of activism by modern feminists. So who are these women? The modern feminist movement exerts a powerful influence, not only on women, but also on boys and men. When we look at the lives of its leaders, we sometimes find tragic personal circumstances that fueled their activism. Other times we find Marxist ties, as in the case of Betty Friedan. It's too simplistic to characterize every feminist as being influenced by Karl Marx or coming from a dysfunctional family, but Gloria Steinem is an example of how one's dysfunctional past taints one's worldview. She made famous the saying, A woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. Or just in case you missed the intent of the statement, We can put it in the form of a question Does a woman need a man any more than a fish needs a bicycle? While she professed not needing a man, many were shocked to learn that she married David Bale in September 2000 at the age of 66. Gloria is complex. Not all her complaints are without foundation, but her views are radical. She admits to being a radical feminist and her influence has radically changed our world. In 1970, she wrote a treatise titled, What Would It Be Like If Women Win? The very title shows that she saw this as a contest between men and women. In it, she described her vision of a future utopian world. Free nurseries, school lunches, family cafeterias built into every housing complex, service companies that will do household cleaning chores, in a regular business-like way, and more responsibility by the entire community for the children, all these will make it possible for both mother and father to work and to have equal leisure time with the children at home. For parents of very young children, however, a special job category created by government and unions would allow such parents a shorter workday. Sounds similar to a Marxist worldview a worldview that, by the way, has brought misery wherever it's been tried. Free always sounds good, but what it means is that someone else has to pay for it. As a side point, even here at Tomorrow's World, members of the Living Church of God and co-workers give so that we can offer you our special report on the future of the family, and all the rest of our literature free of charge. But back to Glory's ideas, we must ask, Who does the cooking for family cafeterias built into every housing complex? The same question for service companies that will do household cleaning chores. How many feminists do you think will sign up for those jobs? Another Gloria, Gloria Allred, refers to herself as a feminist lawyer, and a few of her high profile cases lend credence to her claim. She represented seven children and their parents in a suit against Save-On Drug Stores, for separating boys' and girls' toys. The result was that Savon removed its gender-related signs. My guess is that it was adult activists rather than children behind the suit, and one has to wonder about the supposed harm. Why do people want to push trucks on girls and dolls on boys? Allred also filed a discrimination suit against the Boy Scouts of America in 1995. It seems that a girl wanted to join the Boy Scouts. Is there no safe haven for boys to be boys? What if boys want to join the Girl Guides or be on the girls' track team? Taken to its extreme, few if any females would survive the competition if men were allowed on their teams. Some of the intellectual underpinnings behind the feminist movement came from Simone de Beauvoir. She confessed that, My father's individualism and pagan ethical standards were in complete contrast to the rigidly moral conventionalism of my mother's teaching. This disequilibrium, which made my life a kind of endless disputation, is the main reason why I became an intellectual. She became an atheist at age 14 that left her without an eternal purpose. How happy she may have appeared on the outside There are hints that something was missing in her life, as seen by this statement I am incapable of conceiving infinity, and yet I do not accept finity. I want this adventure that is the context of my life to go on without end. Beauvoir lived in an open relationship with John Paul Sater for half a century, but never married. Her lack of commitment is seen in this quote. I am too intelligent, too demanding, too resourceful for anyone to be able to take charge of me entirely. No one knows me or loves me completely. I have only myself. Is this the end result of feminism? The fallout of believing that women don't need men is the same as the fallout from believing that men don't need women, or that children don't need parents we end up only with ourselves. No doubt feminists see themselves as fighting for equality, but may not comprehend the damage they're doing to men, women, and society in general. In the last portion of this program, we'll explore the unintended consequences of their war on patriarchy, but let me remind you of today's free offer, The Future of the Family. Here again are some of the articles found in this valuable resource. Don't underestimate the value of family, motherhood in crisis, fatherless families, and rebuilding happy families. Almost no one understands the real purpose of family, and our final article in this special report explains that God is creating a family. It explains why we are here, what it's all about. You need this vital resource, so call today for your free copy and I'll be right back to show you the unintended consequences of the feminist attack on patriarchy.
1: Reserve your free copy of this Tomorrow's World special report by calling the number on the screen and asking for The Future of the Family. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked... Where is the world headed? Or what does the future hold for me? We answer these questions and more in our magazine, Tomorrow's World. It is also yours free of charge, so call us right now. We have operators ready to take your call, or you can order online. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's program. Feminists and other social engineers
0: in the 1970s attempted to deconstruct the very idea that men and women are different. What was their goal? Dr. James Dobson accurately predicted the following as early as 2002 in his book, Bringing Up Boys. The feminists and homosexual activists want to dissolve the traditional roles of mothers and fathers, and in time eliminate such terms as wife, husband, son, daughter, sister, brother, manhood, womanhood, boy, girl, masculine, and feminine. These references to sexual identity are being replaced with gender-neutral terms such as significant other, spouse, parent, child, and sibling. That may have appeared an overstatement at the time, but that is exactly what we see today. Examples abound in the United States, and Canada, And in the United Kingdom, where such nonsense is promoted. Note this report from Britain's Telegraph. Teachers should not refer to pupils as girls or ladies because it means they are constantly reminded of their gender, the government's former mental health czar has said. Thankfully, not all Britons have lost their minds. Piers Morgan railed against such a notion, saying, it's preposterous, utterly preposterous. It's over. No more boys, no more girls, no more men, no more women. The world is over, Morgan said. Many Britons agree. In an unscientific poll by Good Morning Britain, 96% of the respondents agree with Morgan's take on the subject. In many ways, we now have a world turned upside down, even to the point where dissonant feminist Camille Paglia was asked in McLean's magazine if she thought women are now the dominating sex. In her answer, she expressed concern for today's highly successful career women. When asked why, she replied The more women succeed and rise up into positions of power, the more remote they become from actual masculine energy. I'm concerned as a college teacher about the romantic and sexual futures. Of highly successful career women. She went on to say, Women are being told you are future leaders. Meanwhile, we are more than our jobs. One reason Sex in the City was such an enormous hit is that it expressed something that feminism won't admit we don't know what we want. We don't know if we want children or not. My generation produced the sexual revolution and your generation is stuck figuring out how it's going to work. Another woman speaking out against the feminist attack on patriarchy is Nicole Russell. She wrote the following 2016 piece in The Federalist, In today's enlightened age, women think they know what kind of man they want, but in reality most don't. In fact, many women, unwittingly confused by the myriad feminist mantras bombarding them daily, seek the type of committed romantic relationship with a man that will ultimately leave both her and him inherently dissatisfied. This is as much due to the ideology behind feminism's flawed ideas as the men who have been over the years subconsciously programmed to behave according to its dictates. It's never too late to figure out that men need to own their patriarchal prowess. If they did so, they'd soon discover this is what women really want. The attack on patriarchy is leaving both men and women confused. Families are in shambles. Men don't know the role they should play and women live empty lives. In reality, the attack on patriarchy is an attack on God. As we read in the opening chapter of Genesis, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God He created him, male and female He created them. No room for gender neutrality here. Male and female is more than anatomy. Boys are boys and girls are girls, not because of trucks and dolls, but because God made them different. Male and female think differently. The One who made us male and female specially designed us for different family roles. It is God who inspired the injunction, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. So, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Feminists don't realize that they are pawns in the hands of a negative spirit influence. But their rebellion against God has done nothing to further the happiness of women. And man's abdication of his role as leader has left families in shambles. Boys are confused. Women are trying to act as men and are chasing dreams that leave them empty in the end. You need a copy of our special free report, The Future of the Family. Learn why God made us the way we are and what His ultimate purpose is for families. Now stay tuned after this program for Tomorrow's World Answers where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. And be sure to come back next week when Stuart Wahabich, Michael Haykoop, and I will bring you more of today's news in the light of end-time prophecies. Until next time, may the peace and truth of Almighty God and Jesus Christ be with you.
1: To learn more about today's topic, visit TWCanada.org. You can also order by calling us at one 866 784 7895, or by writing us at Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M0B6.
2: Welcome to Tomorrow's World Answers, where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. Sometimes the examples set by biblical characters can cause us to question some of God's clear instructions. One such case arises from certain righteous figures who married more than one wife at the same time. Do these examples speak for God's intent? Is polygamy biblical? Going back to the creation account, it is clear that God's intent from the beginning was for marriage to be between one man and one woman. Genesis 2 and verse 24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Deuteronomy also includes this instruction concerning the conduct of kings Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. The Bible does not seek to hide the shortcomings of its heroes. We are told of sins committed by righteous and honorable men, such as Noah, Moses, and King David. This does not mean that every action they took, unless God specifically highlights it as being an error, should be viewed as permission for us to do likewise. In some cases we need to follow the Biblical instruction of looking to the fruits of these actions. There is no shortage of examples of men in the Bible taking more than one wife. But the fruits shown are not fruits that you or I should desire for our lives. King Solomon famously married 700 wives in addition to 300 concubines. They came between Solomon and God and the end result was costly not only to Solomon but to the entire kingdom of Israel. King David had several wives. The resulting quarrels between his children escalated to involve rape and murder. The patriarch of Israel, Jacob, famously had two wives as well as two handmaids who eventually became wives. The result was a competition to see who could have more children, children that were suspicious of each other and fought to the point of selling their own half-brother. We should not take these as permission to do the same. When Jesus quoted Genesis 2.24 to the Pharisees, he highlighted the number of people involved in a biblical marriage as intended by God. And the two shall become one flesh. Paul's instruction to Timothy regarding the conduct of deacons and elders as being the husband of one wife further set the standard for the church. To submit a question for the show, email us at twanswers at tomorrow'sworld.org. Be sure to watch us online at twcanada.org or by searching Tomorrow's World Answers on YouTube.
1: Order by calling us at 1 866 784 7895 or by writing us at Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M 0B6. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call 1-866-784-7895. Write or visit us online today. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.